Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. San Antonio District Judge resigns after a federal corruption probe. A former San Antonio, Texas judge goes to federal prison after pleading guilty to accepting bribes in exchange for rigging cases in his court. Angus McGinty committed the ultimate judicial sin. Why did you do it? I did it because I was foolish. Listen to How to Bribe a Judge on RevolverPodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that boss next. Big job there from Duffy and Brett Mears. They're a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. Oh, what a great summer it has been for the UFC, continuing to own the summer of 2019. It is Monday, July 15th, episode 209 of the Anakin Florian podcast. Theoretically, we should have something special planned for episode 209 because I have 209 tattooed on my left forearm. I guess we'll dedicate the show to... To my MMA inspirations, Nate and Nick Diaz. How are you, Ken Flo? I'm doing good, man. Episode 209. The, the, the 209 tattoo still in full effect, dude. I like it. I think the next tattoo bet is probably going to be like if, if Jorge Masvidal wins the UFC welterweight title, we'll Oof. get the game-bred tattoo. Uh, it will not be on the neck. I like <laughs> neck tattoos. You know, if I did something else for a living or if I lived in, you know, <laughs> Iowa— Wear a lot of turtlenecks. Kefla w- will wear a turtleneck every now and again. Am I wrong? I, I would do it. I might go turtleneck and suit one of these days, you know, do a little Robert Goulet look. Well, let's just, for the listeners, let's just clarify. Fact or fiction, there is a turtleneck in your closet right now. That is fiction, unfortunately. Okay, you don't have anything that comes up on the neck. Okay, no, you're a fashion No, no mocks, no mocks, okay. no turtles. <laughs> no mocks, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so a lot to get to today. What a show it was in Sacramento. Congratulations to the corner man of the year, Kenny Florian. <laughs> nice win for Ryan Hall. And I was trying to decide whether or not we should lead the show with Jermaine Durandamy or Uriah Faber. And then I thought we might as well lead the show with Ryan Hall because he's certainly grabbing a lot of headlines. I apologize yeah. for calling him Jared last week. <laughs> Don't do drugs before the show. But for Ryan Hall, right, this is a guy who's still undefeated in the UFC. People have knocked the inactivity Uh, And the fact that he has had bouts of inactivity, whether it's because he can't get a fight, as he alleges or otherwise, and I have no reason to not take him at his word. A lot of people don't want this specific challenge. And he completely dominated Darren Elkins over the weekend, knocked him down a couple times, showed the evolutions that you'd want to see when it comes to his striking and his all around game. You know, when a guy's doing that butt scoot thing, like crowds are going to boo. And that's something that he's going to have to deal with, I think, every step of the way. But but your sure. thoughts on where Ryan Hall is right now and, and how far he can realistically take this thing? Yeah, listen, I think that uh, he's still developing as a fighter, obviously. Uh, I think that um, this is a guy who's been working very hard every single day, whether he has a fight or not. I think 
fight experience and real fight experience helps to set in a lot of the things that you're working on in training. And I think that, um, you know, this is still just the beginning for Ryan uh, and his career. I, I think that, you know, he is always a threat on the ground. And, and I think it's always funny when people go, oh, well, you know, why, why does he go to the ground? Why does he just try to he's he's going for the legs. He's not right. only doing it in a safe way, but also if you are afraid to get on top of a dude who's on his back in a fight, then what the hell is going on? What does that say about that person who's willing to go to his back and you don't want to get on top of that man and beat him up? That means either that person on the ground is doing something that's very scary to that person or the person on top uh, is just a a coward or or afraid, right? But uh, again, I think that for people saying that he has an unusual approach when you're trying to do something special. And I don't think Ryan's there with this striking, right? But if you're trying to do something special and different, you have to be willing uh, to go out and try those new things. And I think when you look at the greats, you, you look at like, let's say the best boxer right now, Vasily Lomachenko, is there anyone out there who's moving like him? You know, you have right. to be willing to do something that's different than everybody else. And I think that, Ryan has that kind of courage. He's he's looking for ways to be effective. He's looking for ways uh, to hit and not be hit. Right. Um, right. Sometimes it's going to be a, a, a good thing that people you know li- enjoy and like watching. Some people, and sometimes it isn't. And I think that um, you know we're still dialing that in, and uh, he's still getting comfortable uh, with his game and, and and looking to be different and unique. And for anyone who you know thinks that uh, they're in that division and, and they want to stop it or stop his ground game, then they, they should be out there calling out Ryan Hall. Right. Well, it's going to be fascinating to see someone engage him in that realm and yeah. maybe not so fascinating for the person who chooses to do so, right? Whether it's Hinato Moicano or whomever it may be. I know he wants a ranked opponent. I think he has earned as much. I think he minimized the damage, didn't have a scratch on him. I think you actually had more scar tissue uh, damage over the weekend <laughs> than uh, Ryan Hall. Yeah. So how do you spin this forward, though? How much, right. like if I was his friend, I'd be like, dude, what's the end game, right? You're 34. Do you want to be champion? Then, mm-hmm. then start burning up Mick Maynard or Sean Shelby's line right now. Like how yeah. much do you talk to him about where he wants to go from here and how soon that might actually happen? Well, I, I know that he actually had a nice long conversation with Sean Shelby and, um, you know, apparently, uh, they're looking at some different opponents. Uh, Ryan has, uh, looked at a, a few options of guys in the top 10. Uh, Ryan is absolutely adamant about fighting in Washington, DC. Right. Uh, apparently they're thinking about doing a card at the end of the year in December there. Um, so that's the card he wants to be on. That's like five minutes from his house. Um, so he wants to get his third fight in, uh, within 12 months. So, um, you know, he, he said he wanted to be active this year. That's the game plan. He's looking at a, a top 10 opponent. Hopefully he gets one. Um, and you know, it, it's also difficult for him. I, I mean, without naming names, there's two guys on that card who fought in Sacramento, who Ryan wanted to fight and they didn't want to fight him for whatever reason. So, um, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, he has a very unique style and, and, uh, hopefully he gets the fight that he wants, uh, in, in December. All right, so I'm actually pulling up my Ryan Hall fighter card, Kenny, from his last fight, which I did call uh, against VJ Penn, and he said, 
Would have loved to have been more active, accepted fights against Dennis Bermudez and Ricardo Lamas. Uh, for me, it has to be something worthwhile, you know? So, and obviously the Elkins fight yeah. was worthwhile, right? A guy who has been ranked and is a veteran fighter. And uh, congratulations to Ryan Hall. We love seeing Ken Flo in that corner, though. I got to tell you, <laughs> you knew they were going to the corner, Cam. I'd like to thank our producers, Lappy and Zach and everybody else who uh, who made sure we had that Ken Flo corner, Cam. You didn't have a ton to say necessarily, but we did no. the corner. Walkout suits are flying off the shelves right now, dude. I mean, 100%. if I had a percentage of that, that's my retirement right there. There I mean, was one Kenny Florian Reebok fight kit made. Well, other than the fans who customize, I don't want to shortchange those people. But there was one that was made. I think Craig Borsari sent it to you, and it's yes. hanging in my closet right now. Boom. So. I wear that thing with pride. I'm going as Kenny Florian for Halloween. We have to grow the hair out or something. Uh, All right. So I'm going to leave with Jermaine Duran to me when it comes to this main card. But congratulations to Ryan Hall and Ken Flo. And hopefully, you know, Ken Flo gets his 15, 25 or 35 percent, whatever it is. Just kidding. We love you for Ross. All right. So Jermaine Duran to me is an outstanding kickboxer and puncher and she's a police officer in the Netherlands. And if I got pulled over by the Iron Lady, uh, just take my money, take my registration. Don't fucking kill me. Um, last loss for Jermaine Durandamy against Amanda Nunes in 2013. She gets Aspen Ladd out of there in 16 seconds. There are a million angles to this. Longo's coming up in three minutes. Your overall assessment of this, were you able to see it live after the prelim with Ryan Hall? Where were you and uh, your thoughts on the main event? Well, well first of all, Jermaine Durandamy needs to know that we, we were in the coffee shops, okay? We weren't out of the street. It was completely legal. It was completely huh. legal, yep. okay? Yes, there you and go. She should know that right away. But listen, no, she she <laughs> is she is very dangerous, man. She's uh, she's an unbelievable striker, um, you know. And, and she just made it look easy against Aspen Ladd, who you know I, I mean clearly needs to, to needs to work a little bit more on on her striking. This is probably a bit too soon for her. She's still very young in her career. She will uh, be much better. But Jermaine Durand, to me uh, again, if you want to get uh, you know get on the feet and and stand with her. I think Amanda Nunes is probably the only one who can do it. Uh, and that would be an unbelievable fight. I hope they put that fight together. But uh, Jermaine Durandamy went out there and just starts Jasmine Ladd uh, extremely quickly. And, um, you know, it, it's good to see her back. She's been away for a little bit. It's good yep. to see her uh, back in the, uh, you know, back in the octagon again. And uh, she looked great. So were you in the arena or where were you at the time of this knockout? I was in the arena. Okay. In, the, in, arena, the, arena. in the green room. So. When she walked out, right, if I'm an MMA fan, it's like I'm racing to the window, right, to bet on that woman, right? If I'm a casual fan watching, I mean, she just looks so relaxed yet ready to kill. Aspen Ladd had a a difficult weight cut, or at least all indications are that she did. She was trembling on the scale. And there are so many different narratives out there, right? Because I think a lot of of women who fight are like, stop babying us, right? Stop acting like the visuals of us having these scale issues uh, are more severe than maybe the men, right? But it is an angle to this fight. And some are suggesting that maybe what they believed to be a premature stoppage was because Herb Dean was aware of the situation, was trying to protect Aspen Ladd in some way, shape, or form. I don't know if that's a stretch or if that's true, um, but your thoughts on what was nonetheless a, a very ugly visual for me on Friday afternoon. Yeah, listen, it, it was a brutal weight cut. Um, no one likes to see that. Uh, I, you know, that was troubling, especially considering I, I picked Aspen a lot. I thought Aspen would be able to take to the ground, and um, she would definitely have an advantage there. But uh, it was not the case. Um, in regards to the stoppage itself, I think that I don't know if that kind of thing, um, you know, is in the head of Herb Dean when he made that stoppage. 
Um, perhaps it should be, but um, to me, she wasn't reacting quickly to how how she should if she was in that kind of situation. So I don't really have a problem with that for for that stoppage. Um, I right. think that she wasn't uh, moving that quick. It seemed like she was hurt. She was disoriented uh, from those shots. Um, and I, I, again, I don't really have a problem with that stoppage. I thought it was a pretty solid stoppage. I thought it was only going to get work for her um, right, and there. to save damage, you know, considering the weight cut, I think was the right call. And I have full trust in the California State Athletic Commission. As you know, one of the more forward-thinking athletic commission bodies there is out there. So their decision to let her fight, obviously, was was done carefully. And uh, I think they handled things nicely, given the fact that a lot of us were like, man, not, not a good situation, given that she's fighting in the main event. So we'll spin it forward uh, for Jermaine Durandamy here coming up shortly. Maybe some more thoughts on the stoppage. But uh, Ray Longo's getting more ornery by every episode. Let's get to the Ray Longo match. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. Yes, we are rolling Ray Longo. You are live on the Anik and Florian Podcast. What's your question? I tell you what, this is my question. I said we play a little game. It's called Guess When the Podcast is Going to Start. The guy that gets <laughs> closest to us. Gets a free T-shirt. Guess when? The, I have no idea. I have no idea. Hey, how's <laughs> your podcast in? going? By the way, I mean, I we consider you to be a huge <laughs> part of this podcast, but we understand you have your your side projects and pieces. How is how is your podcast doing? It was going real good until I had my friend Matt Sarah on last night. And he just went berserk on the uh-huh. podcast. <laughs> he just insulted insulted everybody connected to the podcast. <laughs> It's crazy. That's but, actually uh, gonna I, have no, drive I, think it, I think it's going good. I think it's going all right to answer your question. So uh were you able to uh ingest this UFC Sacramento card over the weekend, my friend? I I did. Let me tell you, so you know what I ingested? I love seeing my buddy Kenny Florian in the corner. That's what I ingested. <laughs> yeah. I see that freaking I didn't even see him, I just saw a head of hair above the uh <laughs> the top of the octagon. I I, I, I want to I want to yeah, apologize to everybody. I didn't have my pomade in there. Okay, uh, I just want to. It was not. I, it was not. I should have manicured it much better, Ray. I'm sorry. By the way, John, doesn't that count as some sort of lettuce? Or what, what do you call it? Oh yeah. You know, oh, mean, of course. And uh, again, can't I mean, that, keep that's, in, uh, that's the that's the epitome of a tour salad right there. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, can't close keeping that that lettuce. Uh, look at yeah, Longo just can't resist. He just can't fucking resist. <laughs> Ken Flo's got oh, that shredded iceberg. He's on fire. Nice and short now. He's on fire. Oh wow! You came back. You came back with the shredded iceberg. I, <laughs> I did. I did. Had a lot of <laughs> diet coke today, Ray. Uh, all right. So, <laughs> so I don't know where you want to start, but since when I think of Ricky Simone, I will always think of Marab Dewalish Willie. Let us start with Uriah Faber's forty-six second knockout of Ricky Simone. You can take this any which way you want. You know, I think Ricky Simone just needs to relax um, a little bit, right? I think his fight IQ we, left we, a little we, bit to we, be desired, but yeah, all credit we, uh, to Uriah Faber. Yeah. We could go a lot of different directions, but first off is hats off to uh, Uriah Faber. I mean, couldn't be happier for a guy, good guy, ambassador of the sport, comes back at 40, you know, beats a, t- a tough kid. Uh, you know, my, my first thing was I think it's calmer. You know what I mean? Like, you know, because that fight could have been a little premature, but now Ricky Simone knows what it's like to have third party interfere with 
maybe he thought it was stopped early. I don't even know, but it was, I think it was a good stoppage, but, uh, you know, he's going to come back. He's a young kid, so it doesn't really matter. But, uh, yeah, hat just hats off to, uh, to, um, what do you call it? You're right. Faber and you're right. I mean, Savoni fights, he fights emotional and sometimes that gets you into trouble. But uh, I think for the first time, Uriah really sat down on a, on a good right hand. He wasn't really running all over the place. He, I think he made it up in his mind he was going to go for it. And right. he, know that he knows where this guy's going to be, you know. Uh, and, uh, man, what a, what a beautiful overhand right he threw. Uh, Ray, not only does this have ties to, to Marab, but also this has ties to Aljamain Sterling as well, because Uriah exactly. Faber might have injected himself into the conversation here as a guy who could potentially fight Henry Cejudo for the belt. What do you think about that? Well, that's funny. So look, I'm really, I'm really, really happy for Uriah because I like him and I think what a great, you know, the company in front of your hometown, you're in Sacramento and the place is going crazy and to get a quick finish like that is just fantastic. Right up until the point he called out Henry Cejudo and yeah. I'm like, that son <laughs> of a bitch, he's jumping in front of Aljo. The hell is going on? But I listen. So it was a double-edged sword because I was so happy for him. I forgot all about the implications with Cejudo. But, yeah. uh, look, I think Aljo is a good dude. With Joe Benavides, that guy deserves it. He's been around. I think Aljo is awesome with his tweet. That You know, that makes sense to him. And, again, I think Aljo just wants fair play. And I think that's why you saw that tweet. It makes sense. Uriah Faber, as much as I love him, uh, I, he he should definitely unequivocally not be jump in front of Aljo for that spot. You know what I mean? There's no freaking way. But we're in a sport where anything can happen. So I hope you know somebody has some common decency to just do the right thing. But uh, I don't think he deserves it based off of that. But I'm so I am really freaking happy for him. I hope this isn't coming out weird. But you know it was funny. I was so happy, and then he started talking about Sahudo. I'm like. I don't even, what the, oh man, maybe I shouldn't have been happy for him. <laughs> That's funny. You know, I, I, I'm, so, I'm so sour on Ricky Simone after the Marab thing. You know, I was like, ah, this is bullshit. But whatever, <laughs> it was all good. It was, uh, I, look, again, to be 40, uh, he's successful with his gems, to have the crowd behind you like that, I don't know. Yeah. That's a once-in-a-lifetime thing, man. I think he should be happy with that. And, I know he's a competitor, but well, you know it is. It is what it is. I'm glad he's he's at least thinking young, and he wants to be in there. He's a legend of the sport. It was cool to see. But uh, yeah. John probably has more information on this. But uh, you know, Henry Cejudo obviously is going to be coming back from uh, shoulder surgery. Is it shoulder? Yeah, he or Dominic Cruz kind of surgery, said he saw he saw Henry push on the shoulder during the fight, and he knew right away. Dom yeah. did, that it was so, going to be not an invasive surgery and keep him out probably for the rest of 2019. So, so Ray, where does that put Aljo? Is he would, would he be willing to have a fight? Because, again, if Henry Cejudo fights at 125 or just the surgery alone that's going to put him back, is Aljo willing to wait on the sidelines that long? Or is he the answer take is no, a, Ray. The answer is no. Yeah, what is it? What, what's the answer? No, well, I mean, for me, look, my recommendation to Aljo is I, I, I think he deserves a title shot. I think he's coming off like really uh, the, the last two wins were phenomenal against really tough people. Uh, if it was for an interim title, I would do it, but I, I would wait for a title shot. I think, you know, you get, that's a once in a lifetime thing. And to be able to, 
to go up against a guy like Henry Cejudo, who's so decorated and to put yourself in a position for another huge, you know, upset. I'm sure Aljo will be the underdog. I think it's worth waiting at this point, you know, and he's, he's a little banged up. You saw him on, uh, Rogan. He's got his thumb, you know, a little, uh, you know, he's in like a semi cast or whatever he's in. So, uh, you know, let his body heal up. Let's see what really happens with Cejudo. We don't really know yet. And, uh, I mean, I'll take it from there, but I, I really do believe, you know, if it's not an interim time, I mean, I, if, you know, if no, you want it's to not, it, on for an I mean, you can stop it down right there. Aljamain Sterling's next fight is going to be for some piece of a UFC title. You know, exactly. I mean, I, that's, I wasn't that's even necessarily going to going to entertain the viability of Uriah Faber actually getting the fight with Henry Cejudo right now. And when you're off the line, Ray, I will talk about the Faber fight in more detail. And I've got a lot of praise to throw his way. Um, But I just don't think that they're going to be about him skipping the line, despite what was a huge result over the weekend, you know? Right, right. Not, you know, against the guy, what what was Ricky Simone ranked? I think 15th. He was newly ranked. I mean, mean, look, on on paper, that fight should never happen. And again, I'm just talking, you know, realistically. I love the guy. You're very favorite. It's awesome. But, you know, again, I couldn't be happier for a guy. But I think, you know, my guy is uh, definitely more deserving. So I, I think, and I would love to see Uriah put out a tweet about Aljo, like Aljo put out a tweet about Benavides. I mean, that's the way this, I mean, in a perfect world, that's the way it works, where, you know, these guys police themselves and say, hey, listen, you deserve it. You right. got the better, uh, you right. know, you've been around longer. You know, I, I would love to see that. And I, not that that's going to happen, but that would be a nice thing. And Well, uh, but Faber was happens. always, though, but Faber was always the guy who was putting over others, you know, did it for Dillashaw at one point. And I think at this situation, this situation is such that he's 40, 40 years old. You become a parent. It's like all bets are off, right? You're chasing that generational wealth or whatever it is, you know? So right, I feel right. like for Faber, uh, he's trying to really strike while the iron's hot. Huge moment for him, obviously. Real beautiful, quick, you beautiful. said he, you said something in terms of the fight that you know he, he his mentality was that he was going to go for it, and uh, and it struck a nerve with me because he certainly had nothing to lose in a lot of respects, even though you exactly. never really have nothing to lose in there. But it was his first knockout since 2007. So does that mean coming back now he? is just maybe going to be more offensive and aggressive, or is it that the power was there and he was getting maybe knockdowns that resulted in submissions early on? Like, is this a, a changed Uriah Faber who's really just going to go balls to the wall? Or, uh, you know, I'm just trying to make sense of a guy who didn't have a knockout for 12 years, and now all of a sudden he's got I, one. You know? I think it's a, it's a change in Uriah Faber. I think sometimes you get older and things just click in your mind differently. And I think that's what we saw. And I don't, he, he's the only guy that could tell us. But my based on what I saw and where he's at in his career, he, I think he's a pretty intelligent dude. He's not going to get, like if that fight would have went south, like the opposite direction, he's done. So he's, I think right. he understands that. And he was willing to, to gamble and go for it. You know what I mean? And now he's going to have more confidence because Simone is tough. I mean, we've seen him, you know, with a lot of guys. He's definitely a tough guy, and that was a that was a great shot. And I think it's going to give him the confidence to go. You know what? Let me just let me go for it. You know what I mean? Because sometimes, you know, I almost look at um, I, I think like when Matt beat Chris Lytle, right? In the in the finale, it was a you know fight could have went either way. It was close, wasn't exciting. Lytle made a decision, man. He was going for it after that. What he had, he racked up like nine 
Friday the night bonuses or whatever he did, but you know, some things, you know, they click and they change and it could be one instance. It could be age. It could be anything, but I think your Ryan looked like to me, like he was going to go for it, man. I never yeah. seen him do that before. Yeah. Well, congrats to your Ryan Faber. Huge yeah, result in Sacramento. And you say sort of once in a lifetime, it's almost like he got it twice, right? He was able to get a win in Sacramento in 2016 and the supposed retirement fight goes into the Hall of Fame and then comes back and gets an even bigger, better result yeah. uh, in the same yeah. building. All right, last thing, because we got to fly. UFC Fight Night Dos Anjos versus Edwards, San Antonio, Texas, Saturday night. Another opportunity for you. You're one and one. <laughs> Rafael Dos Anjos, slight underdog against Leon Edwards in the welterweight division. Who do you like? Who's the underdog? Uh, Rafael Dos Anjos, slight underdog against Leon Edwards. Okay, Leon Edwards. Longo's I, like, man, I'm prepared to talk <laughs> about Jermaine Duran to me, not Leon Edwards. You fuck. Yeah, poor Jermaine. Oh, what a... What a knockout that was. Yeah, oh. it was a good night, man. I, I, there was some entertaining fights. It was really good. I, if you put me and Jermaine Duran in the octagon and said to her, you have no, 60 you're getting, seconds. No, you're, you're getting killed. Oh, no, but here's the bet. Obviously, I'm getting killed. Yeah. You have 60 seconds to break his nose. I bet she could break my nose inside of a minute. <laughs> Serious. <laughs> I think I think you know, she throws pretty freaking hard. <laughs> oh, she looked great. Um all right, Ray. And I think that uh, that's a fight I'd like to see her and Nunes now and yes. see what happens with that. But yeah, I think to, uh, she sets herself up for that fight. It's it's interesting for everybody and and you know, and again I know you gotta get at it, but Aspen Lad again, she's very young. I think the fight was stopped a little quick, but uh she did get yeah. hit with a, a a missile. Uh but she's gonna be back too. So I think it's all good. They don't all safety first and just put it behind you and move on. She's a young kid and she's got a lot of talent, so yeah. I think so, too. All good. All right, my All man. good in Thank the world, you, uh, John Anik and uh, right, Lettucehead. Kenny, <laughs> Kenny, Kenny, you did look good, though, up there, man. <laughs> it was fun. It was good to be back in there. Brought a tear to my eye, baby. Brought a, you were back. I tell you what, the canvas, first of all, the, the, the whole way that the UFC works since I've been gone. I mean, they are such a well-oiled machine. They, they have food in the back. Oh, oh is that a big oh, difference now? The canvas is better. The, this awesome sticky feel to it, where you can actually like you're not going to slip on your ass when you when you throw a kick yeah, or a punch. Yeah, 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 I mean, yeah, everything yeah. is so much better and works so much better than when I was fighting. Uh, I was jealous. It was it was good to be back. Yeah, there was no green. There was no green room when you were uh, back. Yeah, there. exactly. No, we were stuffed in the back of that little hole in the Hard Rock Cafe. Remember that with a curtain between everybody. Right. Ray, if you saw me in that green room, dude, I mean, I was eating, <laughs> I was eating the most amazing ribs. I mean, they had it all back. Oh, yeah. It was like, it was uh, like a yeah. full insane buffet. I, I was impressed, man. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a big thing. That's, that's yeah. the only reason Sarah comes to the fight. Though, <laughs> he goes right to the green room. Yeah. You got a thing. I'm out of uh, here. Take it easy, guys. See you, Ray. Oh, there Take he is. Care, Every goddamn week here on the Anakin Florian podcast. You must have hit it good in Sacramento, Ken Flo. It's not always as amazing as you're landed out. No, things have, have evolved a lot. And obviously, <laughs> yeah. coming up on eight years since your last pro fight, uh, there's so many things. You know, the, the UFC PI would always be sort of the beat tipping off point i think for me and the nutrition and everything that sort of spiders off of that uh pretty incredible and i think they got ice cream for the fighters was ryan hall able to uh to he partake did. after the fight? he did I, I don't know if there was any left after i got through with the, uh, the Kenfo likes his ice yeah. cream 
Yeah. And you're, you're, Ken Flo's most uncomfortable topic on this podcast is that when we talk about his looks, right? And so I love how Longo's like, you look good up there. See, Longo's doing it this week. It's not me. Everyone's like, dude, <laughs> stop with the Ken Flo love. Jesus Christ. All right. So next for Jermaine Durandamy, very quickly here. Um, the issue now, I think, seems to be that Amanda Nunes is intent on defending her featherweight title. So Jermaine Durandamy, in theory, would have to wait or, or win one more fight. But she was already the number one contender. You get a 16-second knockout in a main event. Uh, they have history, right? The last time Jermaine Durandamy lost a fight, 2013, yeah. against Amanda Nunes. Certainly the fight for me with respect to Ketlin Vieta, the number two contender. I mean, is that what you'd like to see for Jermaine Durandamy, uh, the Lioness, next? Listen, I, I think that's the one that makes the most sense. And I think she's one of the few who could stand up and strike with someone like Amanda Nunes. All right. Uriah Faber knocks out Ricky Simone in 46 seconds. Couldn't feel better for just the human being and the family to have this moment. We talked a little bit about maybe strategically he's changing some things up. But in terms of who is next for Uriah Faber, I will sit here on July 15th and say I would be very surprised if it's Henry Cejudo. I don't think Cejudo is going to fight again in 2019. So as far as a next opponent for Uriah Faber, I think MMA Junkie suggested maybe John Dodson. I'm just going to throw a few things at you, right? Like, I don't think you dare give him, like, Marlon Marais coming off the loss right now, right? I think that's biting off a whole lot. Pedro Munoz is out there. I'm not sure if there'd be any appetite for that fight. Rob Font potentially in a co-main event in Boston, mm -hmm. uh, if that event ends up coming together. Rematch with Jimmy Rivera is something that's been thrown out there. I don't think you'd do a Dominic Cruz trilogy at this point in time. Um, do you think it's going to be Cejudo or somebody I mentioned or, or none of the above? I don't know if Dominic Cruz is down with it, but I, I would like to see it. I, I think, you know, that's a fight that fans would love to see. I think this was Uriah Faber coming back against a a, a tough up-and-comer uh, in Ricky Simone who, um, you know, Uriah may maybe didn't have a whole lot to gain. But I think now I, I'd like to see a, a fun fight that fans would like to see. And I think uh, Dominic Cruz obviously, um, you know, He's in a different place right now, but as far as him coming back, I don't think he's going to get that next title shot. So why not do a do a fight, a big fight that fans want to see? Those are two big names, two legends, two true legends in the sport, and obviously they have a history. Uh, right. Why not? And of course, it would be a fourth meeting, not a trilogy. Yeah, yeah. Fight. I was going to say, yeah. Dom, Dom has what you know more wins, so it doesn't make as much sense. And I, I haven't spoken to Dom recently, but I will see him in San Antonio. And obviously, I spent a lot of time with him on the road. My initial instinct is that he wouldn't necessarily have much of an appetite, given how decisive UFC 199 yeah. was. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I throw it out there because the calendar really could align if Faber wants to turn around here, maybe fourth quarter, you know, December, and uh, certainly try to even that series at two wins apiece. Josh Emmett defeats Mursad Bektich we're going with now. TKO in round one, and there's a whole Bektich narrative here, but I want to keep the focus on Josh Emmett. Happy to see him get a bonus after he didn't get one for Michael Johnson. This dude is a beast in a division that has as good a top 10 right now as any in the UFC. Just tremendous power, tremendous evolution. He came back from devastating facial and head injuries that certainly would have felled lesser men and ended careers and... Uh, you know, he doesn't always have a lot to say. You know, he's not the people's champion. He's not the most popular guy on the roster, but I couldn't feel better for Josh Emmett getting uh, the bonus and a big knockout in Sacramento. He's a quiet, hardworking guy who has tremendous 
power. I mean, that was the jab that he jo- that he dropped Mirsid with. I don't know if Mirsid necessarily saw the punch, um, so I don't know if it was so much power as opposed to him being ready uh, for that shot. But either way, Emmett has some insane power. This is a guy who's been uh, winning a lot of big fights. Um, you know, obviously we can go back to that Jeremy Stevens fight, which was very controversial as well. Right. Had he won that fight, we could be looking at a, a guy who'd be fighting uh, for the title at 145 pounds. So um, he's very dangerous, man. That That's a fight that I think a lot of people want to avoid at 145 right. pounds. He's right. tough to take down. Um, you know, I, I think he's a guy that... Um, you know, people should be talking about at 145 yeah. pounds. Josh Emmett, I think, is the real deal. Maybe he gets Ryan Hall. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean that, and, and it's funny because uh, apparently that, that might have been a fight that was offered to him. Now, I don't know if right. that was a fight that he denied because he said, I, I have nothing to gain in that fight. Right. But, um, you know, that's a fight that uh, I, I think that uh, could definitely happen. And, and uh, obviously uh, a guy who's very well respected on our end, that's for sure. And I think until Ryan Hall gets a number next to his name, yeah. it, it might be hard just yes. the way the current landscape it, landscape is. But very quickly, just because I was looking up the featherweight division this morning. So Josh Emmett, number 10 in the world. And if you think there's a compelling matchup here, uh, feel free to interject it. But how about this fucking top 10? And sorry for the language today. Mm. Calvin Cater, number 11 in the world. As I mentioned, Emmett is 10. Moicano, 9. Jeremy Stevens, 8. Yair Rodriguez, 7. The Korean Zombie, 6. Zabit Magomed Sharipov, 5. Frankie Edgar, 4. The King of Rio de Janeiro, 3. Brian Ortega, 2. Alexander Volkanovsky, 1. And, of course, Max Holloway, the champion. I mean... There are so many compelling fights and main events that you could just pluck. I mean, what a time to be a UFC matchmaker when it comes to this featherweight division. Yeah. Um, I don't know if Emmett's getting somebody ranked above him. Anything there? Pique your interest, kid? Uh, the division is absolutely ridiculous. And uh, again, I think it's the second best division in our second toughest division in the UFC. I've been saying that for a little while now. Um, but uh, I think Josh Emmett, Calvin Cater, uh, would be a tremendous fight between yeah. two guys who can really crack. Um, I, I think it's a fight that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, you know, both guys have been uh, looking very impressive uh, as of late, and um, I, I think it would be an exciting fight for the fans. Yeah, I think so too. Maybe that one ends up uh, in Boston. You know, Cater and his buddy Rob Font, that New England cartel. Oh, pining to get on that TD Garden card. What do you got, Kim? Yes, and then in, in regards to Hinato Moicano, my understanding is that he might be moving up to 155 pounds. Um, so I don't know if he's going to be sticking around in the 145-pound division. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Hit a, a little career reset. Uh, yes. Wouldn't hurt Moicano at this point in time. All right, a couple other things I just want to highlight on Sacramento, and then we'll get to the pronunciation of the week as TJ DeSantis tries to begin his climb out of a 3-7 and seven hole. I want to congratulate Andre Feely. Huge result for him. I believe he got a bonus as well looked in great. Sacramento. Just looked awesome. And and anyone who's followed his career knows just what type of work he has put in uh, to turn himself from the fighter he was when he made his UFC debut at a very young age into the fighter that you see today. Juliana Pena, some took issue that I said the meanest woman in MMA is back. I still stand by that. She is absolutely ruthless. Had to rally to get past a very tough Nico Montano by unanimous decision. Jonathan Martinez, just a humble kid, so soft-spoken. To see him get the bonus is absolutely incredible. Nice knockout for him with the knee there in round three. Uh, and Marvin Vittori is a real problem in this middleweight division. He had some time off after the Adesanya fight domination of Cesar Mutanchi Fajeda 30 to 27 times three. I'm telling you, 
Marvin Vittori, if you're a, you know somebody in that 10 to 20 range, Marvin Vittori is not somebody that you want to see in that UFC middleweight division. All right, UFC Fight Night San Antonio this weekend. We will get to the picks and Ian Parker here in a second. A lot of people were hoping that, that Ken Flo would beat Ian Parker again last week and, and there'd be somebody else in the slot this week. But Ian Parker uh, was able to beat the Ken, the, the, the kid, and, and, and earn himself a return trip. TJ DeSantis, we will get to the pronunciation of the week. This Bantamweight made a short-notice UFC debut against Corey Sandhagen earlier this year. Now he draws Jin Sun this weekend. Who am I talking about, kid? So hard. So difficult because I could go so many different ways, and right. uh, I don't know. It, it could be Mario Bautista, it could be Mario Bautista, it could be right. any variation. I will say Mario Bautista. Let's hear it. Mario Bautista. Woo. Mario Got Bautista. Take that, Ian Parker. I know. I, I Parker and I are going to war now at this point. Yeah. All right. I want you guys to fight for charity. I would watch. <laughs> well, TJ, I'll train you. I'll train uh, you. <laughs> I get that. We'll take them down. We'll you, take them down. You can teach me technique. However, I don't think that'll overcome my laziness. So <laughs> that's right. We, he just needs six weeks, TJ. Six weeks. <laughs> so yes, it's Ma- Ma- Mario Bautista, and you know this is twofold why we did that name right is in part because we can let everybody know that everybody thinks it's Batista so we start calling him Bautista you know all these tweets piling up like dude can you call him Batista and it's like idiot stick do you have an audio file on your phone or no okay so I love the pronunciation oh, police oh, but, uh, oh oh you're telling me that uh, Twitter doesn't know the, the fighter's name better than the fighter is that what you're telling me John that's crazy that's crazy I mean, dude you know and, and one day everything. And one day we will do what NBC does, hopefully, if Zach Candido's listening, and just have the fighters say their name, right? Yes. So that everybody can hear it, and then uh, that would make things probably even more hairy. That's why they don't do it. All right, TJ, big win, four and seven, as he aces the pronunciation of the week. All right, hope we didn't shortchange anybody in Sacramento, but uh, the UFC Roadshow continues this weekend in San Antonio. Let's make some picks. It's the main event challenge. Anik. The time is most definitely now. Florian. I finish fights. I'm gonna do everything possible to win. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. All right, first we update the standings. So I got a text from Ian Parker this morning, Ken Flo. All I know is I laid the smack down on Kenny this weekend, to which I replied <laughs> five three. Feely was a big swing fight, or it would have been six-one for you. And then he, you know, he's disputing me on the points, and he says that he had Jermaine Durand to me by first round knockout or whatever. And it's like he had her by decision. So he's he's questioning yeah. uh, my Type A ability to to keep score correctly, um, which I didn't necessarily appreciate. But I did appreciate a big five-three winning week for Ian Parker, who now joins us as the lead extends to ninety-four to eighty-nine. Ian, what's going on, kid? I wish I would have been brought on to after that part you just spoke about because I thought you and I are on the same team, and I apologize <laughs> for coming off as if I questioned you. I was just excited that finally I'm back. But hey, you know hey, what? Apparently I'm on my own. I'm on my own island unless I fucking win. I get it. No, Anik is fair and balanced. Okay, he's fair and balanced. Meanwhile, we got Donald Trump over <laughs> here just sharing fake news left and right in Ian huh. Parker. What's going on? <laughs> See, Fake news. Listen, I apologize. I thought I picked her round one. 
Right. I openly admitted that I was incorrect. And to be honest with you, I don't even know the fucking scoring system. I'm just making picks here. All right. <laughs> let's let's. You know, I, I, I didn't even know John was Jewish. I didn't even know John Anik was Jewish until last week. I thought I was really by myself. <laughs> oh. Fucking unbelievable. Oh, man. Dude, he knows the scoring system. And TJ, and he's and TJ tried throwing shade at me on Twitter. Oh, I missed that. That's I'll have amazing. to uh, circle back and, and check that out. I'm on your <laughs> side, bro. I mean, Ken Flo and I obviously go way back. I'm on your team, but when it's like laid the smack down, it seemed like you thought you had him 6-1 when, in fact, it was uh, a little bit closer than that. I would reserve laid the smack down for like a, 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 a dominant week, not a 5-3 yeah, win. Especially after like beating him, what, seven weeks in a row or some shit? <laughs> I mean, come on. No, we tied, we t- we tied one time. Yeah. No. I the lay the smackdown comment was retracted once I understood the scoring. Okay, okay? I apologize. For you were so close. You were so God. close. You were so close to a follow on Instagram. This just pushed you back <laughs> another six weeks. You got to earn my trust another six weeks now, Ian. I mean, it's ridiculous. Kenny, Kenny, Kenny responds to me within thirty seconds on Instagram. He will never follow me unless <laughs> I get the same haircut as him, and I'm working on it. Hey, his feet. We could have been a- something. You know, he takes that feed. I, well, I want to be so bad. <laughs> you know, I'm, much I'm trying more to create just... this three-way bromance. Let me live. Let me love. Come on. <laughs> I'm much more willing to throw out that follow. Ken Flo's got a, a much tighter feed, you know, and I think eventually you'll crack it. All right. We got to move this thing forward. So <laughs> UFC fight night, Dos Anjos versus Edwards, all 13 fights live on ESPN and not. ESPN Plus this weekend, and Ken Flo's got picks, and so does Ian Parker for the entire main card, I believe. First up in the heavyweight division, a rematch 11 years in the making, the king of Kenosha, Ben Rothwell, minus 190. Andre Arlovsky, plus 160. As many of you recall, Ben Rothwell returned from a near three-year layoff. I think it was March. Unanimous decision, lost to Boagoy, even off a fight. Many thought he won. He is the minus one ninety favorite here against Arlovsky, who is keeping up his active schedule. Ian Parker, what do you think here? Pitbull making his thirtieth UFC appearance at forty years old. You go on Arlovsky or Rothwell? I, I just think at this point it's very hard to bet on Andre Arlovsky against someone that you know he's going to strike against. I think Rothwell is just a smarter fighter. He has the tools if he wants to bring this fight to the ground. I just don't see Arlovsky. I just—it's hard to watch him get beat up and lose. Time and time again, when when once he was so dominant, I, I like Rothwell in this fight. I don't know how long it's going to last. I don't think Rothwell is the type to allow this to be a rock and sock and robot type of ordeal. So I'm going to take Ben Rothwell here. All right, Ben Rothwell minus 190, the pick to click for Ian Parker. So Ken Flo and I were doing MMA Live. We started April of 2008. And July 19th of 08, you remember how much attention we gave this card. Affliction, banned, all the heavyweights, Fedor and Tim Sylvia. That was the night Andre Arlovsky knocked out Ben Rothwell in round three. The rematch beckons Saturday night in San Antonio. Amazing to think with Arlovsky, Kenny, how often he has fought. I think seven or eight straight fights have gone the distance. Your thoughts on Arlovsky here against what should be a very motivated king of Kenosha. Yeah, I, I agree. Listen, um, this is a, a very different time. Um, and Andre Arlovsky is one of those guys. He's he's tough to pick these days. You know, I think a lot of people have written him off and saying his chin is done and this and that. Um, but, uh, you know, he's shown some serious resilience late in his career. I, I think he's still very motivated 
But I think Ben Rothwell is still a fresher fighter. I think he's a very different fighter than when they first fought. Um, and I, I think I, I got to go with Ben Rothwell. I, I'm not sure he gets it done by a finish, but um, I, I do think he gets the win against Arlovsky. I'm going to go with the king of Kenosha. And I think a fresh fresher is a, is a good word to describe Ben Rothwell. Obviously, has been off for a time and, and should, as I said, be really motivated, I would think, given uh, how close that fight was against Boagoy, yeah. even up. All right, big one here, a lightweight boys, 13th ranked Alexander Hernandez, minus 170 against Francisco Trinaldo, the plus 140 underdog. Masa Randuba uh, is a man, 40 years old, 13 UFC wins for him. He's been in the top 10 before. Hernandez, of course, Ian was all the rage until he was stopped by Donald Cerrone. That fight was back in January Hernandez is a really impressive young man. I think you you should expect him to come back stronger and even more focused this weekend. You know Duba is going to bring it. Um, Hernandez, Trinaldo, fairly close on paper, Ian. What do you think? This is a really, uh, and I might sound like a broken record, this is a tough fight, my, in my opinion, to really pick. Um, with Hernandez, we, you know, we, we've seen him surprise everyone against uh, Darius and then obviously against Cowboy. He was really, really confident, a little too confident. Cowboy brought him back down to earth. And I, and I think Trinaldo is better than him almost everywhere except for pace. Um, Trinaldo's main issue in the beginning was cardio. Fantastic striker. Judo, obviously, top-notch. He's a great Brazilian jiu-jitsu. This is a hard one for me because I want to say Hernandez because he's like the rising prospect. But he hasn't really had a ton of action, and that fight against Cowboy concerned me. And Trinaldo's not a stupid fighter. He's a very smart fighter, and he's super tough. You know what? I'm yeah. going to roll the dice here with the underdog. I think this is one of those plays where as long as uh, Trinaldo could keep the cardio okay, I-, I just think the fight could stay standing, and I think he's better. So I'm going to go with Trinaldo on this one. Look at Ian Parker bringing it on a Monday. Good job on that fight, Ian. Uh Alexander Hernandez, 26 years old, Ken Flo, from a family of workhorses. I've just been blown away by his intelligence. I know he was humbled by Donald Cerrone, and I think, Ian, it's appropriate to bring up how that Cerrone loss might affect his confidence, which, of course, was off the charts going into that fight in January. Your thoughts, Ken Flo, Alex Hernandez, minus 170 or so favored here against Francisco Trinaldo. Well, I tell you what, if we haven't heard a Hernandez that is overconfident and gets too emotional, um, I I can see that pick for Ian Parker going very well. Um, I think Trinaldo is still very dangerous. He does have power. Uh, This is a guy who's always hungry to fight, always looking for the knockout. But I do think the difference here will be the wrestling of Alexander Hernandez. Um, He just needs to pace himself much better. I think he learned a lot or should have learned a lot in that last fight against Donald Cerrone. Um, And it's not going to be as intense of a situation. Uh, So I think some valuable experiences. Last fight is going to be the difference. Alexander Hernandez gets the win. Oh, the dulcet tones of Kenny Florian. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> going against Ian Parker there. All right, we're going to stay in the lightweight division here, and we're going to have Ken Flo lead this one, folks. Dan oh. Hooker, minus 175. James Vick, plus 145. I will tell you, same site. I prepped the show. James Vick was plus 145. Now he is plus 110. It doesn't affect mm-hmm. our scoring system, mm-hmm. but some money, probably James Vick's money, has come in on James. Uh, speaking of being humble, Dan Hooker was certainly that against Edson Barboza his last time out, Kenny. That was December of 2018. So Hooker had been very active, took some time to heal after that one. Um, now he'll try to regroup against James Vick, underdog despite being the ranked fighter here. Vick number 15 in the world. Ken Flo, Vick or Hooker for you? 
You know, I, I think Dan Hooker went against a uh, a faster and more technical striker in Edson Barbosa. Uh, you know, as far as the the offense uh, department there. Um, I think that James Vick is mainly successful because of his height, his reach. I don't think he's going to have that here against Dan Hooker. He's certainly not going to be the same uh, advantage that he's used to. I think James Vick probably punches a little bit harder, but I think Dan Hooker is the more skilled fighter here. Um, I don't think he's going to be as intimidated as, uh, as James Vick as a lot of uh, Vick's former victims have been. Uh, I think Hooker gets it done with a mixture of kicks, um, footwork, uh, and just having more weapons out there on the feet. Uh, Dan Hooker gets it done here uh, against Vick. You know, I hate to shout out the show, but if you're betting on mixed martial arts and you're not listening to that free content for free, I don't know what to tell you. It doesn't mean Dan Hooker's going to win the fight, but just a lot of salient points that I will be cheating with and using for my commentary this weekend. Uh, so Vic here, the underdog after the back-to-back losses, Ian, to Justin Gaethje and Paul Felder. I'm not sure how many more cuts down to 156 pounds this body has left in it every bit 6'3 um, but James Vick of course has never missed weight certainly if he's going to win a title prevailing wisdom is it's going to be in this division and not at welterweight uh, Ian Parker your thoughts on James Vick and and what he needs to do to come through here against Dan Hooker well one to address the weight thing he also claims he has no trouble making weight which is right. crazy he's huge this is pro- this isn't one of those tall lanky guys he's a He's a big dude. I think he walks yep. around around almost 195, 200. So that's oh, a, yeah. a pretty Easy. wild cut. Um, to add to what Kenny said, I mean, Kenny, obviously, you, you hit it on the head for the most part. The only thing that I think what we've learned with James Vick um, is his, I just don't know what he kind of thinks when he gets into some fights. Like the Gaethje fight is kind of hard to gauge because he left his chin up, which we all know he does against the cage, and he got rocked. In the fight against Felder, he just seemed so hesitant to throw. He was so worried about getting knocked out, and he just didn't seem like a same aggressive guy. And Felder's as tough as they come. You know, so a guy like Hooker is going to bring the heat. I think that if Vic is going to win, he has to put Hooker on his back because there was a lot of fights earlier on in Vic's career that he utilized the wrestling. I mean, when he's on top of you, I don't care how good you are at jiu-jitsu, that's a big guy to be on top to control you. Um, however, he just seems to have gotten away from that, and it's going to be a striking battle. So I, I agree with Kenny here. I think Hooker is the better striker. Um, we've seen him. He's been able to take a lot of punishment and go a long way. That fight with Barbosa was really hard to watch. So I just think that Hooker's had the time to heal up, learn. I think this is a good matchup for him, and size is not going to be much of a factor. So I like Hooker here as well. All right, we'll see where the number closes. As we mentioned, some movement uh, away from Dan Hooker and towards James Vick, at least in terms of the betting line, but two plays today from Kenny and Ian on Dan the Hangman Hooker. All right, featured bout in the heavyweight division, a pick em right now per Las Vegas, minus 115 on both sides. Greg Hardy, Juan Adams, Ian Parker, which way are you going here? Oh, this is like picking between dirt and filth on a betting standpoint. This oh. is a non-bet fight for me whatsoever. Um... Well, you know, look, <laughs> excuse me, Juan Adams has underperformed tremendously for someone that had some good hype coming in, and Hardy, obviously, with all the negative media attention, and then his opponents who he's fought, you know, it, it's kind of hard to really gauge here. For me, it's going to be who gasses out. I think if Juan Adams was smart, he would use that wrestling pedigree here and do it right away, do a Randy Couture against James Tony, just shoot for that ankle pick and put the guy right on his back. Take away that power. There's no way that Hardy has any jujitsu whatsoever. 
you know, if it stays, if it stays in a stand-up battle, still not that concerned. Um, I think based on morals and based on a wrestling pedigree, I'm going to take Juan Adams here, but on a betting standpoint, I'm not confident either way. I think it's important that an avid MMA better like you qualifies a fight like that that you're going to be no action on, right? Um, so I'm glad you made that distinction. Ken Flo, another main card slot here for Greg Hardy. Back-to-back co-main events to begin his UFC career. The DQ loss to Alan Crowder. And then, of course, that recent one-sided beatdown of Dmitry Smolyakov. Actually, though, it's Juan Adams who has fought more recently. May 4th went a full 15 minutes. Unanimous decision loss to Arjun Singh Buller. Both guys 1-1 one one in the UFC, so a big spot in terms of heavyweight trajectory. You going Juan Adams or Greg Hardy? Uh, uh, yeah, listen, uh, I think that as far as both guys, uh, I think Greg Hardy is probably the more powerful guy when it comes to punching power. Uh, but I think Juan Adams can can knock Greg Hardy out as well. But uh, like Ian said, I, I think he's got to put Greg Hardy on his back. I think he'll eventually find a way to do that. I also believe that Juan Adams has fought the tougher competition as well. Um, you know, despite not having so many fights, I, I do think he's fought tougher competition. I think Juan Adams uh, gets it done here. All right, co-main event, boys, one of three heavyweight fights on the main card. The big ticket, Walt Harris, minus 150, Alexi Olenek, plus 120. Co-main event, so we will need the round and the method of victory. Ian Parker, Walt Harris, Alexi Olenek for you, and, and how do they get it done? <coughs> Excuse me. Um, well, I really think that we finally saw the Walt Harris we've been waiting for. A lot of hype behind him for a bunch of years with his athleticism, his striking, and... I think with Alexi, he's kind of a one-dimensional guy still. Um, I think if this fight is able to stay standing, which I think Walt will be able to do, he gets it done. I, I don't think he's going to finish like his last fight. This is definitely a step up in level of competition, but it's a good step up in competition for Walt Harris. Um, as long as he doesn't get brought to the ground in that awkward choke, I think this is Walt. I think he's going to be very careful with getting into the clinch for that reason as well. So I could see this being a Walt-Harris unanimous decision. All right, Walt Harris by unanimous decision. Ken Flo, Alexi Olenek, remarkably still a factor at 42 years old. 57 pro MMA wins, 45 of them by submission. Weird UFC tenure on the other side for Walt Harris. 12 UFC starts. He was 1-4 in the UFC at one point. Now 5-6 and six with a no contest. Had that short notice fight with Fabricio Verdum. Found out day of... Right. Then next time out, DQ'd for an illegal head kick, then had a win over Andre Arlovsky overturned to a no contest because of a four month suspension for a tainted supplement. So here's Walt Harris, long on ability, 36 years old. I think the time has got to be now. Right. Getting a co-main event showcase has a ton of tools on paper, unbeaten in his last three. What do you think about Walt Harris, Ken Flo, against Alexio Linux? Listen, I I think you kind of nailed it. Um, I think Walt Harris definitely has a lot of ability. I think he is a guy that can knock out anybody in that division. He's going against a guy in Olenek um, who's very crafty, uh, very tough, finds a way uh, to get a lot of upsets in his career, um, is freakishly strong. Everyone at ATT said this guy is just um, a, a freak as far as his strength, his ability to hold on to a submission for a long period of time and squeeze out a win, literally. Um and again, when you're talking about all that experience, that counts for something. It is hard to beat. Um, Walt Harris needs to keep this fight on the ground. He needs to stop those takedowns. Um, he needs to fight really smart. Um, I think Walt Harris uh, gets the win here. Um, I, I think he gets it done by TKO. 
we we need a round, right? Uh, TKO, TKO round three. Because again, if I'm a mixed martial arts better or capper, right? You like those prop plays and. You can do worse than riding with Ken Flo. All right, main event. Now, one thing Ian Parker did ask for competitively when, when he came on board was that with select main events that were pretty close, according to Las Vegas, to have Ken Flo lead. And I, I respect that request. And, and so we're going to have Kenny lead the main event here today. A couple of welterweight contenders, Leon Edwards, Rafael Dos Anjos. Edwards favored at a minus 135 clip as he goes for an eighth consecutive win RDA comes back plus 105. We'll need the round and the method of victory. Ken Flo, who do you like in the main event, Edwards or RDA, and how do they get it done? You know, if we were to make this uh, pick prior to that Gunnar Nelson fight, I I would say it would be an easy pick for me. It would be Rafael Dos Anjos all day long, most likely by TKO. But Leon Leon Edwards really showed me something in that fight against Gunnar Nelson. He showed composure. Um, he showed a calmness and he showed an ability to pull off a win when he truly needed it against one of the best grapplers in the 170 pound division in Gunnar Nelson. Um, uh, not to mention he has a much improved wrestling game. Um, I think he's a very slick striker. I think he's very underrated. I think he's a guy that will most likely fight for the belt at some point. Um, Rafael Dos Anjos has a ton of experience. I think he's really good everywhere. Um, but at this point in his career, I, I think it's tough. I, I think that, um, you know, the motivation at this point, I don't know as far as motivation at this point, I don't know if this is one of those fights that kind of puts him on track to get a title shot. Um, I'm not saying Rafael Dos Anjos doesn't have motivation. and isn't hungry at this point in his career. Um, but this is, this is a dangerous fight for a fighter in his position. This is one of those fights against Leon Edwards that, um, is kind of uh, a, a do or die. We're going to, we're going to really see yep. what Rafael DeSantis is made of here. Um, I love Rafael, but I just think this is a tough stylistic matchup for him. I see, I see Leon Edwards winning a close decision here uh, against RDA. All right, Edwards by decision. And last five wins, Vicente Luque, Brian Barberina, Peter Sabata, Donald Cerrone, Gunnar Nelson, four of those by decision. Cerrone fight was 25 minutes. That was his first UFC main event. Only one loss in 10 fights for Leon Edwards. And that came against the current champion, Kamaru Usman. I, th- I certainly think you laid out a lot of good stuff there, Kenny. Ian, this is one of the best fighters out there that no one is talking about. They'll certainly be talking about him if he can win a main event here and add Rafael Dos Anjos to his wins list. The question is, can he do it? Your thoughts? Well, I think the reason why no one's really talking about him outside of the whole thing with Masvidal is that because... His biggest win is against someone in Gunnar Nelson who hasn't cracked the top five yet. And with Gunnar Nelson, to Kenny's point, he showed a lot of composure. But at the end of that fight, Gunnar almost had him. Gunnar did get him into mount, and he almost had him. And that, that made it a little bit closer than it probably should have. Here, here's my thing. On the last fight with RDA and Kevin Lee, Kenny took RDA, and I took Kevin Lee. And now we're going opposite for almost the same reason we argued before. I think, first of all, I think this is a stupid fight for RDA to even take. I, I'm guessing he's doing this for either to stay active and he really believes he's going to win or he needs the money because it doesn't make sense to fight someone this much further back in the rankings. I don't know what this does for him in a win other than say to the UFC, Hey, I'm a company guy. Right. I'm giving you a main event that you needed. You know, if I beat him dominantly, where am I really at in this ridiculously insane 170 pound division? Right. Cause we haven't heard yet. Who's getting the next title shot. If it's not Masvidal, it's definitely not going to be RDA for beating Leon Edwards. However, I think Dos Anjos, Dos Anjos, Anjos, however he's pronounced, I think he's just fought 
so much better competition. He's really seen it all between 55 and 70, the wins, the losses, and he still looks good against Kevin Lee. Most people were going against him, and look what he showed there. You know, he, he showed up against a guy that was supposed to be able to wrestle him, who was supposed to be able to outstrike him, be the better athlete, and he still shows us that he still, he still got it. I just don't necessarily see right now maybe what Kenny sees with how dominant Leon's been with the level of competition. I get it. I do think this guy future-wise has got it for sure. But RDA still has it too. So I, I'm going to go opposite here. I'm going to go with Dos Anjos. Um, I'm going to go with the, the decision as well. I don't see either guy finishing the other. So I'm going to go with RDA. All right, good stuff. Second main event slot for Rafael Dos Anjos in the last eight UFC live events. So for the second time inside of three months, Dos Anjos in this role of UFC headliner. And I think the upside, Ian, is the main event and obviously the winning streak of Leon Edwards. I think this would give him some serious welterweight momentum if he could piggyback the win uh, over Leon Edwards with the win against Kevin Lee just a couple months ago. All right, good stuff, Ian Parker. Try to make it two straight weeks over the flow here in San Antonio. And uh, we will talk to you next Monday, my man. Thank you. Thanks, boys. Appreciate it. All right, there he is, Ian Parker with the Main Event Challenge. And that is going to do it for this week. We thank you all for listening, for subscribing, for telling your friends. 209 episodes down. Number 210 comes your way next Monday, July 22. Full San Antonio recap, and we will preview UFC 240, Holloway versus Edgar, now less than two weeks away on pay-per-view. We thank Ray Longo, the great TJ DeSantis, Ian Parker for Ken Flom, John Anik. Love seeing Ken Flo work that UFC corner. We'll talk to you next week. Until then, don't text and drive. Yo, later. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast is a TJ DeSantis production. Its content is intended for private use only.
Sports betting is sweeping across the country faster than the coronavirus, and wagering week is your antidote. I'm Tom Martin, and I'm a veteran sports analyst and respected sports handicapper who helped build ESPN's brand. I've been recognized and awarded by Pro Football Weekly and Gaming Today magazine as the honest handicapper. Let the other guys give you the same old boring sports talk with the same tired storylines. We'll give it to you straight here every Friday on Wagering Week. Don't gamble with other podcasts. Let Sports Garden Network's Wagering Week help your bottom line. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckley SAB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.